Welcome to Your Story Matters, the show where we share inspiring stories from all around the world. After you've listened to this one, why don't you tell us yours? Share your story at yourstorymatters.net. But first, here's your host, speaker and writer, Angela Schaefers. Today I have the pleasure of talking with Karina, who is the director at The Rachel Project, and she's going to be talking about the organization and what they do to help support the community and fight against a really awful situation that's happening all around us, and that is human trafficking. Welcome, Karina, to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to share more about the project and to just have a discussion about human trafficking because I know that it's one of those topics that often we don't want to talk about or there's not enough discussion about it and there's certainly, in my opinion, not enough education about it. So before we talk about human trafficking itself, can you give me some history and background about how the Rachel Project evolved and where it all started from and why? Well, we really, um, we got started um, about a year and a half ago. Um, We actually incorporated into the 501c3, um, and it really came out of the heart of our pastor, one of our lead pastors at Legacy Church, uh, Marilyn. She traveled quite extensively, and she still does on mission trips. And probably about six years ago, she had started going to Thailand pretty regularly, and um, the particular area where they were in Thailand, she was seeing these girls being sold like cattle and it just it just overwhelmed her like this is really happening like you know you hear about it you you know you think you know but you don't really know till you see it and right. what that did is it started in her a thought process of if this is happening here I wonder what's happening in the U.S. because she's like it can't possibly be happening like this in the United States mm-hmm. so it really started her on a journey of, of really kind of looking into not only the U.S. but Tampa Bay Florida specifically and it just, it overwhelmed her. The, the mm. reality that this is, is just as prevalent, if not more so, you know, here in the United States and, 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 you know, we're a developed, quote unquote, developed country that not only are we supplying victims for human trafficking, but we're also one of the worst for bringing them in. Mm. So it's, it's, you know, not only is it we're supplying victims, we're also buying victims. And bringing you them know, in so, from outside countries? From outside the United States, as well as as well as the trafficking just within our own borders. Right. Okay. Um, and when we yeah. refer to girls, what are the average ages of the girls that you've found are in these situations? Well, the average age of a girl entering into forced prostitution right now in the United States is between 12 and 13 years old. Okay. And, you know, nations outside of the U.S., they have children being trafficked, being bought as young as six months to a year. Mm. Um, so they're literally being born and sold into these situations. Right. You know, girls that are being abused at two, three, four, five, six years old on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Here in the U.S., you know, you do, of course, there, you know, you do have those cases. But the average age of a girl that is entering into that situation is usually about 12 to 13. They do say statistics show that a girl that is involved in this life, the average lifespan is about seven years. Mm. So you figure, you know, you've got a girl that's being trafficked at 12 years old. She's only, if she's not getting out or being rescued because of sickness, because of abuse, because of being beat up, because of, you know, injuries, things that are, it's only about 
seven years that she has in the, on a lifespan in this life. And traffickers will, will, they'll get their money's worth, you know, and that's the thing is that they do look to get these girls young because they want to train them. The mm-hmm. idea is they want to break these girls in um, because once they're quote unquote broken in, they're actually worth more money. Mm. Mm. Uh, because they don't fight anymore. They've been they've been trained not to fight. They've been programmed that this is your life. Mm-hmm. And that's my understanding that there's a lot of psychological abuse and manipulation. So I know that some people have the mindset of feeling that these girls, especially the older ones, should be able to run away, call for help, find a way back home, those types of things. But I think what people don't understand. Right is the huge amount of psychological control and manipulation that goes into the training, if you will, from the predators. Absolutely. Um, I mean, predators and traffickers are, these are not some men and women. You've got a lot of women that are traffickers as well. They're not stupid. They're actually extremely intelligent, very strategic, incredibly manipulative, that if they were, you know, these are the people who, if they were the good guys, would be the profilers. These are the ones that would be, because they're able to pick up on what a girl needs almost immediately, even boys. Mm-hmm. Runaway, runaways typically have 24 to 48 hours before they're approached by a trafficker in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it might be, do you need a meal? Let me buy you food. Do you need someone to keep you safe? I'll keep you safe. Do you need to be made feel beautiful? Well, let's go buy you clothes, sweetheart. They, they, they very quickly are able to zero in on what that need is mm-hmm. that's not being met in the home. The reason why, are, you know, they pick up on the why are you in the street. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe mm-hmm. it's, here, let me, let me help you score some drugs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's a slow progression. It's a lot of them with the girls that they bring them in and make them feel very much like this is my boyfriend or mm-hmm. this is someone who cares very much about me. And then, and then they flip the switch. So they gain the trust and the affections of these, these victims. And then it's a very subtle switch to, Hey, you know, I need you to do this for me just this one time. Right. Right. You know, I need you to, this is, we're really in a, in a pinch financially. I, I, you know, if you did this for me, I would be so proud of you, mm-hmm. you know, cause you're my girl. Right. Uh, you know, you hear it over and over again where they're tapping into that. And a lot of times it's, you know, I don't want to say a hundred percent, but a large percentage of these victims have dealt with some sort of physical abuse at home, mm-hmm. you know, either sexual or physical, just, of, you know, violent abuse at home. So when they meet someone who is that father figure who isn't violent, they're going to do anything to hear that, that they're proud of them, mm-hmm. that they're, they're appreciated, that, you know, you're my girl, you're a good girl, I care about you, I love you, you know. Well, and, and I do want to clarify that there are many, many cases where young children, boys and girls, are having their needs met at home. They do hit, live in a healthy, oh, yeah. loving environment, and yet yep. for some reason or another because of friends, because of peer pressure, whatever, yep. they are exactly. also drawn into these types of things. So I, I definitely want to make sure that we're educating the community and understanding that it could be a typical girl or boy that yeah. comes from a great family and has been well yep. cared for, and they get sucked into this for various reasons. So yes, absolutely, when, that you've got you've got these kids where they're just, like you said, peer pressure or they're put in a compromising situation where, you know, they would have never put themselves in it had it not been the influence of someone else. But then it's that shame. It's the, the traffickers will use that idea of shame or, 
or embarrassment, you know, the, the fear factor of, you know, if your mom and dad knew they wouldn't love you or want you anymore, mm-hmm. you know, yes. so they, they'll tap into that, that healthy connection and manipulate that way. Right. So out of the program that you are doing and the things that you've learned, what would you say the percentage is of boys versus girls? Because as you mentioned, and we know there are plenty of boys who are out there being abused in, in this yes. situation. Yes. Um, I would say that if we were to break it down by the numbers, we hear um, pretty regularly, pretty consistently, on average, there's about 27 million people being trafficked all over the globe right now. That, about 56% of them are going to be under 18 and of that, it's almost 90% of them, 80 to 90% of them are going to be girls. Um, it's a pretty large percentage. So you're, so you're looking at globally, you've got most of the, most of the kids are, who are being trafficked are going to be under the age of 18. And the large majority of who's being trafficked right now is going to be female. Mm-hmm. Um, you do have boys being trafficked. You do have men. Um, a lot of the, when you hear about the children armies, in Africa and in other countries, there's primarily boys that are being trafficked, not necessarily for sex trafficking or commercial sex trafficking, but there are, but a lot of it's labor. They'll be brought in for labor trafficking where these, these young men are being forced to work 12, 18, 20 hours a day. You know, a lot of it, in, you know, you'll see it in construction, you'll see it in migrant communities, you'll see it in agriculture, you know, anywhere where they need a large amount of labor for, for very little or no cost. And what happens is you've got these large companies that hire out subcontractors to manage their labor force. Mm-hmm. So it's not these large, you know, international large companies that are even endorsing this, but it's these smaller companies that are saying, hey, we can bring in this much labor for you at this cost. Mm-hmm. And, it's, you know, not, not, not disclosing, hey, these are kids that are under 18 and we're only paying them 10 cents a day. Right. Can you talk to the listeners about the Rachel Project itself? What exactly you do and how you help to address this issue and stop this progressing tragedy that's happening to so many of our kids. Yes. Well, the Rachel Project, our our core belief is that it's going to be with great love. It's going to be with a passionate heart for people and for for freedom that we're going to we're going to go out and we're going to fight this fight and it really is a fight of love. It's it's of endurance, it's of perseverance. Um, our primary goal is one to raise awareness, one to educate the public at at large that this is happening, how it's happening, where it's happening. We want to train people. We want to empower people to know what the signs look like. A lot of it happens in plain sight just because people don't know what to look for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they see that, that chronic runaway, and they, they, they label her chronic runaway when really it's, if you go a little deeper, it's why is she running away? Who is mm-hmm. she running away to? What is she doing when she runs away? You know, going a little deeper and, and kind of knowing that this, it happens in plain sight, and if we are, are empowered to say, hey, that doesn't look right, and then to know who do I contact. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of it is it's that I don't want to be wrong, and I don't want, you know, I, you know, we don't want people to go out and make malicious statements or make, you know, you know go after people and not be sure. But there are, there are task force in place. There's a great one here in Tampa where it's, you can contact the law enforcement and let them investigate, mm-hmm. you know, let them do that part. But 
empower our public to know this is happening, that you, you can do something about it by simply, you know, very easily saying, hey, this doesn't look right to me, and I'm going to call it in. Mm-hmm. Now, what you is know, the typical is- scenario once someone calls in something that they've noticed or that they think there's this situation is happening? What, what happens from is- there? If they contact the, the task force directly, there's actually um, a national hotline that they can call, either victim or someone who thinks that they've, you know, they've witnessed something. Um, and that is through the Polaris Project. It's the National Hotline for Human Trafficking. And that number is one eight 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 three seven three seven eight eight eight. And they can call. What it'll do is it brings you through a protocol of some questions, They'll direct you to your local law enforcement, and those every tip gets brought to that local area because there may already be an investigation going on. It may add a nugget of, of information that they didn't have. So it, there's never a wrong call. They would always say, we prefer you call and it not be anything than you not call and it had been the key that we needed to rescue someone. Mm-hmm. Um, there is the Tampa Bay Clearwater Task it's the Clearwater Tampa Bay Area Task Force for Human Trafficking here in Tampa that you can contact. And and what they'll do is they'll take all of that information and bring it to the investigative team, which is our local law enforcement and our assigned FBI agent, our task force FBI. So they do a thorough investigation. And like I said, it could be you may be the fifth person who's called about mm-hmm. a particular location or a particular situation, which now says, yeah, this warrants an, this warrants a deeper investigation um, because they really do count on the community and the community campaign to say, we're going to empower our public to help our law enforcement do this because there's no way the limited law enforcement and resources that we have could, could combat what we, you know, the, the, the level to which we need to have eyes and ears and people willing to say, hey, that doesn't look right to me, mm-hmm. really help them. And they, they value that. They value that tremendously. So there are situations where children are being and have been rescued. Yes. Just one recently um, in the, the local news here in Tampa Bay, there was actually a prostitution ring of 17 girls that was actually broken open by the task force. Mm-hmm. And there was another one in Pinellas County. We did have, um, just recently when the Republican National Convention came into town, the Rachel Project and several other organizations worked with Teresa Flores's SOAPS organization. And that awareness and outreach effort actually helped to rescue four young girls. Because what we did is when we went out to the hotels with the soap, we brought a brochure of the missing and exploited girls from Florida and asked them, do any of these girls look familiar? Mm-hmm. And we actually had four girls that were identified, and it eventually led to their rescue. That's so great. Those, those, yeah. And so, those, you know, those efforts, it is such a heavy topic. Mm-hmm. And it's really, if you don't know, what small thing can I do? you can get very overwhelmed and again, want to just, I can't deal with that. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to ever have people feel that I, I can't deal with that. Some, you know, it is, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's a very, you know, when you really start to look at the depravity of people, it can be, it, it can be a heavy on your heart, but to know that the, the hope, the light is that there, there's a huge community here in Tampa Bay and nationally growing globally that, that are standing up and saying, no more, this right. is wrong. We're not, 
not in my neighborhood, not in my backyard, not in my city. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want Tampa Bay to be known as the second worst city in Florida for commercial sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. I don't, I want that number to change. I want where I live and, you know, the city I am proud of to be known as a city of freedom, as a city that values humanity at every level. With, with the Rachel Project, that's, our heart is, is there. It's that it's, we believe that the restoration of a victim is not going to just be getting her out of that environment. It's going to be making sure that, you know, her health is where it needs to be that her, you know, her mind, you know, that she's getting the healing and, and the help that she needs to know this is not her fault. Right. And that was going to be my next question is what is the typical outcome once these girls or boys are rescued? What happens from there? How do they go about getting back their life, healing, perhaps going back to their families. What does that scenario look like typically? It really depends on each victim. It is an individual situation. They do have to be evaluated individually. It really depends on the level to which they were trafficked, their age, kind of the home situation they were coming from. You know, some girls, if she's more resilient, she's going to she's gonna be able to be rescued. And there are some safe houses. There is a house here in Tampa that, you know, where girls that are being rescued can go and they're being restored. You know, if they need long-term care, there's also some organizations that are looking at building those facilities for girls and boys that need, you know, that it is going to be a longer healing process for them. The traumas that a victim deals with in sex trafficking and in human trafficking, it's not just the, it's not just the ravaging of the body or the manipulation of the mind. A lot of them deal with, with, PTSD-like symptoms, mm-hmm. where it's it, it traumatic long, stress disorder for those who may not understand. Yeah. So there may be a long-term care. You know, some of these girls and boys may be in therapy and working with counselors the rest of their lives. You know, and that's where we really believe that if you're only working on making their minds healthy and you're not looking at their body and you're not looking at the spiritual aspect of it, for us, we are the Rachel Project. We are a faith-based organization. Because we, you know, the founder, the director, myself, the people who are involved, we are faith-based people. And so we, we want to see girls walking in true freedom, knowing that nothing that happened to them, one, it's not their fault, but two, it has nothing to do with their identity. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with what their future is supposed to be and their destiny as a person. That, you know, that they can come to the other side of that and know, I'm not, I'm not that person. I'm not what was done to me. Right. And certainly to learn they don't need to take responsibility for that and carry that shame and guilt. So is that something that you all provide? Do you provide any services and support? At this point, we do not. We we are working through the process. We are mentoring with some other organizations that are doing that because we are seeing some really wonderful models, successful models out there that, that are seeing girls being restored, seeing girls being made whole and, and being able to be reintegrated into their communities and, and into, the, into where they live. So we want to learn what they're doing because it's working. We're very firm believers in partnering with organizations that are, that are doing things successfully and learning rather than trying to reinvent the wheel. Because doing that, it's only going to slow the process down. You know, where we're, if we're determined to try to figure it out on our own, what's going to happen is we're going to make the same mistakes someone else made and we're only hindering the process. And we want to see, we want to see this process set up. We want to see safe houses, 
and and rest you know restoration homes going up quickly you know where girls that are being identified and rescued have a place to go quickly that we're not two three years you know going through the red tape that someone else has had to go through and and it's been a process tampa is like i said we now have a rescue home but it's only six beds and it's only six beds for girls that are under the age of 18 and it's short-term care it's not a long-term facility for them Mm -hmm. so there's such a great need and, and, and I mean from five years ago to now leaps and bounds I want to say that that that, that people are are saying you know yeah we need to move and we need to move quickly on this what is the current legislation surrounding human trafficking both locally and federal on the federal level uh, well, well there is um, the victim protections act is if a girl is identified as a victim and what happens is a lot of girls in situations will not identify as victims one they're not because of that shame because of that guilt they feel like they're they're partially to blame like this has just kind of become my lot in life so they won't necessarily identify themselves as a victim and it's through through law enforcement investigating it's through rescuing and and getting them out of those situations and really working with non-governmental organizations getting them, you know, getting them to, to sit with a counselor, to sit with someone. And, and once they do identify, or if, especially for a minor, if they're under 18, even, you know, when you hear the term underage prostitutes, there's no such thing. According to the legislature, if you're under 18 and there's anything that, if you've been forced to do anything in, you know, a, a, any kind of sex act or anything in exchange where you've been, you know, there's been fraud, force, or coercion, you've been trafficked. Mm -hmm. Um, because you're, you're being forced in some way to do something that you don't really want to do. Right. You're you're not capable of really making that decision for yourself. Hence the manipulation. Right. Under 18, they are automatically identified as victims. If they're over 18, it's going through that, that protocol and determine is this been done through fraud, force or coercion. If it has, they are allowed to, they are allowed to, to tap into victims' rights and victims' resources and protections mm-hmm. um, that will protect them that, you know, if they're, if they're here illegally or if they're here from another country, they are allowed to, to get a, a, a T visa, which gives them victim status while they're working with their law enforcement and the investigators to prosecute. Right. So it really does. It is about once a victim is identified, it's not about let's just go after the victim. It's, it's about taking care of that victim. We want them to be credible witnesses. We want them to be advocates in their own case. We want them to be empowered to say, yes, that's who did this to me, and I'm not afraid of them anymore. And I think that's important, the way the legislation is set up, as far as what my understanding of it is, since I looked deeper into it before our conversation, it's key for people to understand, and again, to not place blame, that right. if a child happens to run away or be caught up in a situation that really isn't right for them, that they really didn't intend to end up in this sort of situation, it's not their right. fault. They still have rights. It doesn't even matter what exactly. was happening in the family unit. If there was abuse or anything like that, they still have rights. They're still a victim of a crime so I'm really exactly. glad that there are systems in place to help protect them and get them through this situation and hopefully have a better outcome. Can you share any outcomes of stories where people who have been through this situation and come out on the other end and found a successful healing, recuperation, a new life, 
Do you have any of those stories you could share with our listeners? We do. We actually have, um, we have, we have several victims that are very involved with the task force and the community campaign. They actually have their own organizations here in Tampa Bay. I can first tell you, we are so proud and honored to work with them, to work alongside them. I really can say that, that our, our task force and the community campaign, which is our, the non-governmental organizations that work with them, it is an amazing group of people, a passionate group of people that there's no contest, there's no competition. We, we embrace the fact that we have hearts and, and, and gifts and abilities and desires to reach people in different ways, but still can show we appreciate one another because we want to, we want to just see the end of modern day slavery and that's, we can work together because of that. And it's been, it's been an amazing and, and, and really wonderful opportunity. I've heard stories of a victim. She was actually trafficked by her father here in Tampa Bay. She was trafficked right up through her teenage years. She was prostituted by her dad. She was abused by her dad. You know, where she did come to the other side of that, where she is empowered by the fact that she understands that it's not her fault, that she was a victim and really has gone through tremendous healing and now is, is a, a speaker. She speaks quite extensively in our area on, on raising awareness and just sharing her story. Mm-hmm. We have her, another member of our, our, of our teams and organization. She, she was actually approached by a trafficker, a pimp, when she was a teenager. She had, you know, came from a tough home situation, ended up, you know, dancing somewhere, kind of was groomed. She really went through, he brought her through the grooming process where he spent time with her and spent money on her and lavished her with affection and really walked through that, you know, that, that grooming process with her, you know, where she really, she loves this man. She, you know, she would have done anything for this man. And that when he knew he had her there, that's when he brought her out onto the streets and began prostituting her. And, you know, she was able to, you know, after several years, she was able to, to, to get away from that. She was able to get away from him and she went home and, and really went through a tremendous healing process. As She also speaks quite extensively and she's been, she has been a real driver on new legislation that's been passed here in Florida that will allow victims of human trafficking and of prostitution to have any convictions while they were in that life potentially be vacated so that they're not carrying the sins of a trafficker with them the rest mm-hmm. of their lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, because what happens is when these girls are being trafficked, they are at What happens is it's not the trafficker that's got the conviction, it's these young women, you know, and they, they walk with this the rest of their lives. So there's, there's new legislation that's been written up and working through to help them vacate these convictions, you right. know, that they can really truly get that clean slate that they deserve. Let's you talk know. about how can people get involved with the Rachel Project and how can they help? And if you could share about your upcoming event before we wrap up the show. I, I think one of the one of the greatest ways is to to one to get involved with the Rachel Project is you know you can go to our website, it's the Rachelproject.org. You can learn about us or we're passionate people, but we're we're just regular people. We're moms and dads, daughters, aunts, uncles, sisters, friends that love our community. One of our long term we, we have several goals and one of them a short term goal is that we've identified that one of the gaps that is that needs to be filled very quickly, not just here in Tampa, but you know, we'd like to see it in in every state. But we're going to start first in our community, then our state, and then we'd like to 
to, to go national is to get our kids educated. Let's start early. If our children are being drawn into this life at 12 and 13 years old, we need to, we need to empower them to protect themselves, to know, you know, healthy boundaries and what healthy relationships look like early. And so we really have a heart to not, not just educate our community about the reality, but really a preventative education for our children. And, and we've identified a fantastic curriculum that we're hoping to pilot here in Tampa Bay in a few schools next year. And that's one of our, we're, we're raising funds for that right now. There is an investment into this curriculum, but they've, they've been around for 20 years. It's, it's, it's a sex abuse prevention education. Mm-hmm. So it's really going to empower our kids. One of the ways that people can help is to help financially. Yes, is to help financially. We are always looking for volunteers because as we as we begin our outreaches and, and, and events and we're we're getting more involved in community initiatives, we are a very small core right now. So we're really looking for if people really have a heart, come partner with us. Come you know, come to our, to the trainings that we're going to and become part of you know, the Speakers Bureau for the, not only the task force, but you, you know, go to speaking engagements and really help the Rachel Project raise awareness. So it's really just boots on the ground really is what we're looking for. It's people that really want to, you know, I don't, I want to get involved and I don't know who to help. Right. We can, we, we welcome it. We definitely right. welcome that. And tell us about your event coming up. I know you have different events throughout the year, but what is the event on June 21st and what can people expect? On June 21st, we're actually very excited. This is actually our third annual event for the Shut It event, and Shut It stands for uh, Stop Human Underground Trafficking in Tampa Bay. We really feel it's time to shut the door on it, and we're taking a firm stand, very boldly stepping out. A couple, of, We've done it for a couple of years tied to women's events at our church, and really this year we brought it underneath the Rachel Project. But it really is, it's an, it's a, it's an awareness event where we're bringing in um, the theme this year is unmasking the many faces of human trafficking. I think people, they think victim, they think trafficker, they think good guy who rescues, but we're really going to put some faces to that. And there are so many more people, you know, facets of people that are involved in the whole process that we, we are really going to focus on that. We've got um, some of our keynote speakers. We've actually got the director of the task force. He'll be speaking, um, Detective McBride. We have an educator who used to be a police officer who's now an educator. Who, so he's going to speak from that perspective as an educator and, and really bringing some of his experiences in New York and, and how people, you know, giving that facet. We have Kathleen Peters. Um, our state representative for uh, District 69 is going to be speaking, as well as Melissa Woodward, who is a former, you know, she's a victim survivor and has her own organization called For the Sake of One out of Texas. She's, she's going to tell her story from the perspective of a victim survivor. Can you share with the listeners where the event is and the details about the event? Absolutely. It is, like we said, it's going to be held June 21st. It's going to be held... It's being hosted by Legacy Church in Tampa, Florida. And you can go to their website, LegacyFam.com, to get directions and any information about where it's located. It's going to be from 7 to 10 p.m. Just want to let people know to prepare their hearts. It's going to be an experience from the moment you arrive to the moment you leave. When we want you to understand the reality, our goal is that you walk away empowered and encouraged 
that we want people to know the way forward, how to get involved, those simple steps that they can take to make a difference. So it's not just dropping the reality of this on people, but we want people to walk away going, you know what, I can't do that, but I can certainly do this. Right. And, you know, just even one small way, you know, is going to make a big difference because it is when we've got one person doing one thing. So there will be opportunities for people to donate when they come to the yes. event while learning more about human trafficking, learning more about the Rachel Project yes. and finding out really how they can help overcome this horrendous situation that's happening all around us. I really, yes. really appreciate you sharing with us today, Karina. Well, thank again, you so if, much for the time. Again, if anyone wants more information, the web address is therachelproject.org. You can find out more. I know they have resources listed there, and they talk about human trafficking. They talk about what they're trying to do to bring about awareness, educate others, and share resources. So thank you again, Karina, for sharing about your amazing organization. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. We, we really are honored that to have the opportunity to, to share about who we are and our hearts and, and, our, and our heart for our city and, and for our nation.